Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the Coach's Corner, where each and every Thursday, Coach Serrano and myself spend time with college coaches throughout the country and helping you as parents as well as student-athletes um, kind of get informed a little bit, educate you a little bit. That's our hope. That's our purpose. And what we try to do is answer questions that parents and student-athletes have submitted uh, throughout the week, and then we we ask the coaches and we get to hear from them directly. Uh, and this evening, we're going to be talking with University of Arizona head, Associate Head Coach Dave Lawn. And Dave has been nice enough to join us mid-season. So, Dave, we really appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Thank you and welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. You're, My you're pleasure. very welcome. Coach Serrano, I'll let you kick it off, Captain. Lonnie, great to see you. Um, Good to go see way you. back, you know, yeah. well, both our careers kind of started at the same time on the same coast. Um, I want to start out. Uh, you've been involved with recruiting for so long. You've done a great job at many, many places. Uh, obviously, I've seen how recruiting has evolved and changed over the years from back when we first started. When you go out or your staff members go out uh, for the listeners to hear this, how many times on average does a staff member or yourself go out to see a recruitable athlete before you make a decision on the university you're recruiting for? And when you make a decision on, on if you're going to invest money or recruit that, that individual to your campus? Well, um, I would say anywhere from one to several. I mean, there are some guys that stick out that are no brainers. Um, but the ones that you're not very sure of or you need to see more of, you see more of. I think what we try to do as a staff, and, and this may not be the same for all, but we try to see them in as many high school games as possible because I really feel like you get um, you get your best look. It's, it's real pressure. Um, it's family and friends and you know, in some cases, the kid that lives three streets over that you've locked horns with for several years in Little League. And um, I just I just think the more competitive the environment is, the better. And we really try to, as best we can, um, see him in a high school environment. And that's not always in the spring. You know, we have that period um, – in the summer and we have that period that that pretty tight window in September October when high schools are together high schools are playing um there's a little bit different standard you know if you don't cover first you might get coached a little harder than otherwise in a different type of setting but um I think really as often as you can um <clears throat> is is probably the best answer but you know i'd be lying if i told you that you know we didn't go on a kid go all in on a kid off of one look um that tends to be a kid that's a little bit older though you know who you yeah. can kind of see i wouldn't do that i wouldn't just look at a ninth grader or even a tenth grader and say yes or no yeah you know one of the themes or narratives that's floating around and it's kind of on this topic is the whole travel ball versus the high school. And you really bring up a really key point that I, I really would like to emphasize. 
And there is a difference between travel baseball games and high school games. And you kind of nailed it. There's a little bit more on the line. Uh, you, it's a sense of that community versus community, neighboring town. There's a rival, uh, you know, a historical rival. And, you know, a lot of parents are, are being told that high school baseball is uh, in, inferior to the, the, the travel uh, world. Can you kind of discuss that a little bit and why high school matters to you and your staff? Well, I mean, you nailed it. It's it's there's rivalries. Um, there's a, you know, a, a meaningful championship on the line. Um and there's just more pressure, I, I believe. Now, having said that, I think travel baseball is awesome from the standpoint of it provides opportunities for kids to play more than they otherwise would because of the way high school baseball has gone by and large. Um, you know, um, you're lucky if you have – say, a high school coach who's going to run a year-round program, right? So there's that. And I do believe the very, very good travel ball teams, they they have their rivalries against others. And although the games may be a little more loosey-goosey in the first couple, three rounds, it starts getting to pool play and it starts getting to, you know, I'm going to advance. I'm going to go here. We're going to go there. Then it gets a little nasty like it does in high school. Um, but by and large, you don't see that that gritty nastiness from pitch one to the last pitch. I mean, it's like every high school game's that way. To me, anyways, hey, the Lonnie. good teams. Lonnie, I'm going, to stay, I'm going to stay along the same lines of what I asked in the first question, just a little different, uh, little different way with this. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. I know when you go out and watch a game, um, you've said it a couple of times, how they're competing and all that. But how often do you go to a game and a guy has a bad game, but you still love the guy? And how many times have you gone to a game and a guy has a great game, but you don't really want to recruit that guy because of things you're seeing? What are things that you're focusing on or you and your coaching staff are focusing on when you go out to the game? Is it results or is it the way they're playing the game? Well, you know, Dave, when we first started, you know, we had to write everything down and we had to grade yeah. everything and we had to do this. And the longer I do this, the less I pay attention to the stopwatch, the radar gun and writing down the info. I'm, 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 I'm really watching the kid. A, the, probably the best example is when we first got to Arizona in the summer of 15, um, I was going to see Dante Williams. Now, I don't you know, if you follow college baseball, He's one of those kids I could coach for the rest of my life. And I went to go see him to kind of find, you know, Jay said, hey, go see him. Let's just pull the trigger right now. He didn't play. He didn't play in the game. But what he did was he was getting the bats. He was putting the helmets away. If there was a foul ball down the left field line on the same side of his dugout, boom, he was out the, doing that. He was warming up the left fielder. He was all over the place. And I called Jay and I go, he didn't play, but coach, this dude, this dude's got it. This isn't fake. This is just what he is. And when he got here, it's exactly what he was. 
you know? And so I find myself when let's say I'm watching a pitcher, I'm going to be right by his dugout and I want to see how, what his face looks like, you know? I mean, what does he look like? Does he look like a tough guy? Um, Does he interact well with his teammates? Does he, you know, body language it on a bad call, bad play, cheap hit, whatever it is, right? Is he a guy that's begging for every stra ball? Um, because I went there to see a guy who's already should be good, right? So who cares what the gun says? I mean, I can see what kind of swings are taken. And, and, and I really believe this. This isn't old school, but the hitter does tell you how good the pitcher is. And, 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 you know, just his competitiveness, his willingness to throw a two, one breaking ball or, or his willingness to go right at a guy three Oh three one, you can tell that's, you can really see that. And so um, the intangibles, if we're recruiting five for one spot, they're all pretty good. They grade out. They got good fastballs, breaking balls, or they can really run. They got power. They're a good defender. Are they a guy? I mean, are they just a guy that's just gritty? And, you know, we have one that plays shortstop right now. Pass, no eyeball test, right? He's five foot nothing, 100 nothing pounds, makes every play, gets two out, two strike, RBI hits, yells at his teammates when they're not doing it right. Um, And nobody wanted him. Yeah. But now everybody, when they play against, boy, I wish I had a guy like that. Nick yeah. McClary. Yeah. yeah. See, now yeah. Th- this is the type of information that I find fascinating. And I'm so glad that we get to share this with families and athletes. You know, and we, we touched upon it before we started with regard to the new recruiting rules that are being put in place as far as time parameters. It, this is going to allow the late bloomers or those grinders, I call it the Eckstein effect, David Eckstein effect, where they grow on you. These certain athletes, you know, now they have time to really grow on you. Can you kind of speak to the student athlete and the parent that's always trying to <laughs> wonder if they're being left behind? That With this new rule, it really does allow for not only physical maturation, but skill set maturation as well. Yeah, um, I think... Um, the, I think what this allows for is some development without being in the spotlight. Um, and, and, you know, there's, you know, the trend has been, we got to get them, you know, when they're eighth, ninth, even 10, 10th graders. Right. And so therefore that trickles down. I mean, the club coaches made out like bandits on this thing. Oh, yeah. Because now they don't have to answer. Well, how come so? I'm not talking to someone? They can't talk to you. Well, do they talk to you? Well, they can't talk to us to talk to you. You know, so there's all that, right? But I think this, I think if the kid, not the parents, if the kid thinks he's good, if the kid wants wants to be say at the University of Arizona or 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 any school, then then keep playing, bet on yourself. And if you're good enough, they'll find you. Because to be honest, 
you know, you have all these wonderful showcase things, but the bottom line is one way or the other, we're all going to find out about the kid. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's the craziest way we were involved with a, with a freshman catcher out of Iowa, who's committed to another school. And we had seen him, we'd been around, you know, we'd really seen him. So yeah, this guy's going to be pretty good. And we talked to his high school coach and he's got the perspective of having previous really good players. Right. But the way I found out about him was at the, was at the Miami regional and his dad knew somebody that I knew and they talked and he'd followed us and he'd watched us and that's how we got involved. So I never heard of this kid in my life until last June. And why would I? He was in the eighth grade. And and so if you're any good, they'll find you. When I was at Servite High School for four years, um, you know, parents would wonder the same thing. And I just say, you live in California. There's 50 plus division one schools. The whole country recruits it. Every major league organization has a minimum of three or four scouts. If you're any good, they'll find you. And, and, and to me, that's the thing. I think it takes the focus away from trying to get a scholarship and, 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 and go and do all this stuff to now following a little more closer track. Like if I, if I had kids that didn't play sports, you take them on college visits before their junior year or after their junior year. And, oh, yeah, I like this place. I like that place. <clears throat> Just like my sister did with her kids. You know, they went all over the country looking for a place. And, you know, now they can't. You know, Dave, hearing you talk, it, it brings back so many memories. And like I said, as I said earlier, we go way back and I don't need to go back, you know, because we we started a long time ago, but how much it's changed. Okay. Yeah. And I think the rule changes are going to help turn it back a little bit, maybe not completely, but has the baseball <coughs> community hurt ourselves? I'm going to bring up three names and I know you're well aware of these names. Ricky Romero, big leaguer, Danny Dorn, big leaguer, Scott Gorgon, who I had the fortune of coaching for two years and then coach pitch for coach Gillespie. Great college pitcher. All three of those, and that's just a list that came to my mind. All three of those guys were signed in June after they graduated from high school. So we knew exactly what we were getting in those three guys. Okay, Now, we didn't know that two of them were going to be big leaguers, and Scott Gorgon at 5 nothing was going to be an All-American and a great college pitcher. Right. But have we failed ourselves as a baseball community, or have families failed their kids? in wanting to make these hasty decisions early on and not know exactly what the product's going to be as they get older. Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously a little bit of both. I mean, we're, we, we, we jump right in the rabbit hole along with them, you know, and get involved with kids that are young. Um, Now, some will do it just off of what they saw on Twitter or what they saw on a video we, we, we don't do that. I mean, we don't, if, if, if we have a young guy committed, it's because he was in our team camp for three or four days, or he came to a prospect camp for a couple, three days. And, and, and we were there, we were in the weeds with them. We, 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 we saw it. Um, But 
I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could go and just kind of let, you know, like, like, like I always felt way back when we started, like when you started watching a kid in his junior year, you were like way ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the normal track was you'd, you'd start going to see some juniors. Oh, this senior guy popped up, got to go see him. Oh, you know, 2005, Tommy Malone, uh, Casey Burrell played for Mike calls. Hey, I got a left-hander, Tommy Malone. We signed him in July and he was a major leaguer after his, after his uh, senior year. But, you know, you would do that. And then there, you know, there wasn't this travel thing. No, you'd go to Blair field and watch, watch one knife fight after another knife fight after. I mean, dudes getting after it. Like there was a scoreboard and it mattered and there were standings and that team hated that team. And there were, you know, hard slides and this and that, or you'd go to Ryan lemon field down in Irvine and you just watch real games, you know, where, where it was, and, and, and again, I don't, I think there's way more good in all this stuff than bad for sure, particularly because it's providing opportunities for kids to play. And that is the single best way to get better play. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, there's, I mean, if you take, if you take our lineup, okay, we have two catchers that play all the time. One was an early commit and it worked out, but not early, early. It was his junior year. The other was a late ad as a Juco defensive type catcher. Our first baseman is a JC guy who we've actually been recruiting. It seems like for eight years, but with COVID and all that, and he had to go to Juco because of great. Our second baseman we added, um, Last summer, our our shortstop was a guy we added in his sophomore year in the spring. Our third baseman was an early guy. Our left fielder was, you know, a junior commit. Center fielder, we got the summer before he came to school. Um, our right, you know, it, it, there's so many paths. And and this notion that if you don't align yourself at a very young age, it's just, it's just not, it's just, it's just not true. And the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, we're going to, we're going to have a better look at all these kids and it's going to just, it's just going to be, it's just going to be better. We're going to see a kid when he's kind of what he might be. Because that's still the case. It might be. This is going to eliminate a lot of tough phone calls, too. You know, the guy doesn't get better. Well, like, let me jump in real quick. I'm going to say this because I've dealt with budgets and recruiting and all that. And I think this is important for people to hear. Isn't it so true that late in someone's senior year or after the draft, scholarships seem to go up of what you offer guys because there's such a need after yeah. you lose guys unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah, it can. It for it, you yeah. know, it for sure can, but you know, yes, but the thing is 
as you know, Dave, it's not the money. Okay. Yes. It's the spots. It's yes. the 27, which yeah. is now yeah. 32. We always yeah. have money, you know, but it's the spots. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And, yeah. and, and, you know, now with this other NIL stuff and all that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, that's just, that's, whew, that's, yeah. I don't even know how to, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, we're trying, you know, we're, we're, we, we're doing a little here, a little there, but not like some folks, some yeah. folks. Now I have to ask the follow-up to that. And now that we have more roster spots, now that we've kind of dealt with the time parameter for recruiting, do you see anything on the horizon as far as increase with the number of scholarships, maybe to 15, maybe to 17, maybe 20? Is that is that something that you're hoping for, working towards anything that you can share? Well, I mean, I think everybody would like that and everybody would want that. Um, I just don't know that when you're dealing with an entire athletic department, whether you're cash rich or not, that's a that's a massive investment. And and really what it is, is will the school that you're at basically waive the tuition costs? You know what I mean? Because that's pretty much what it is everywhere. You know, I'm sure there's schools out there that actually charge athletic departments, you know, the the costs of tuition or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's can the can the AD and the president and all that kind of stuff and then project, okay, we, you know, you just can't do it for one sport. You got to do it for all. Right. That's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. Um, but, but right now I, you know, I mean, it's talked about, it's speculated about, I don't see it as a hot button topic until the coaches push the ABCA to then push the NCAA to make it happen. Hey, Lonnie, I have a really interesting question for you. It's something Walter and I have gone back and forth about. Um, in a perfect world, we don't live in a perfect world, but how much would it, how intriguing and enticing would it be if when you're recruiting a student athlete, baseball player, no matter what his skill level is, throw 95, launch angle of, you know, exit velo of 105 to 115. If you knew on the re in the recruiting process, what his aptitude was in regard to knowledge of the game, <laughs> does he know where the cutoff man or what cut where the cutoff man's supposed to be um, for pitchers, different things? Does he even know the distance of, of the, or the width of home plate, you know, right. things that, how much would that make a difference for you as a coach? in regards to maybe a guy isn't as good ability wise, but he's off the chart. In the <laughs> well, that's our, you know, that's our shortstop, right? Mm -hmm. He could tell you it's 127 inch, 127 feet and three eighths inch from the back point to the center of second base, yeah. you know, you know, but, but, but I think it goes back to when you go to games. Now you're watching the kid and you can tell what kind of, savvy he has and 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 his instincts and 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 but i mean if you knew this kid was maybe not the tool shed but was a good player who had a good baseball clock and good instincts and good feel yeah 
course. I mean, that that certainly helps you like that kid more. I mean, the problem is, is college baseball so good. You know, you can't have a bunch of mighty mites running around. You yeah, know, you, I agree with that. Yeah. You got to have some, you know, you got to have some, some, you know, WWE wrestlers that are <laughs> launching balls out over the fences. But I guess, Lonnie, my point in this is that how much they the NCAA has scaled back the amount of time that you can coach. Yeah. You know, when you and I were playing at junior colleges, we were playing 100 games in the fall. Okay? Yeah. And, yeah. and so we were developing as baseball players. Now it's two games in the fall. It's a limited amount of hours, yeah. a short amount of days. So doesn't it help when – because you, you've run into the same problems that I have. You get that guy, that, that guy who's really good, but he just doesn't know the game. You know, yeah. he doesn't know the game. And, and that's our job as coaches. But we've kind of been restricted in times to be able mm-hmm. to do that. And that's why I'm trying to emphasize that more knowledge. I'm not saying the mighty mites that doesn't have ability. I'm saying the guy that has enough ability, but it puts him over the edge yeah. because of his knowledge. Yeah, you'd, you'd obviously prefer that guy. No question. I mean, I yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, t- the time thing is i mean we've all kind of adjusted to it so it's it's like now it's how well do you use your time yes um you know the good thing is you have your group me and i'll see something on twitter that i think is really applicable and then you could spend three minutes hey what do you got on that you know i I, i've been harping on them about holding runners and pick moves and holds and all that kind of stuff so we might have a talk about it for for you know three minutes or something to cover it but you know i i i think that um i think the key with the time is that you understand is that you using game day is a really valuable thing because that's only three hours yeah i know you know it only counts as three (laughs) i mean we'll play sim games at one because we're lucky enough to have a field in the back and you know we'll have some early work, and we we might cover the scouting report on a team, and and all that. Um, but you know, I mean, what? I still can't believe they don't put box scores in the paper anymore. I got to go to the internet to look at a box score. You know? <laughs> I mean, I it's, agree. it's I agree with that. now the highlight of the newspaper is the transactions, which always used to be the second thing you looked at, right? Yeah, you're right. You're Box right. scores yeah. and transactions. Yeah. You know, one of the topics that I, I really wanted to delve into, because we're I think we're of the similar mindset, but, you know, I deal with a lot of parents of pitchers uh, that ask a lot of questions and, you know, they're shocked when I give this answer, but, you know, both my sons had, strong arms but they weren't the strongest throwers and i always taught my youngest in particular you know hitting spots was much more valuable than trying to you know key up to to try and throw harder um and in today's world we're so velocity driven uh that word has almost become part of the baseball vernacular for six-year-olds and uh, pocket radars and things of that nature and we're losing sight of collecting outs and teaching, you know, don't fear contact. Can you speak a little bit with regard to the pitching development that we're kind of coming back to, you know, three pitches or less or trying to attack hitters 
yeah. uh, rather than just humping up, uh, you know, 95 mile an hour heaters? Well, you know, it's we're still in the deep throes of this. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This confrontation of pitchability and stuff, right? Um, I think it's it's too easy to say, you know, well, nobody gives a heck how hard you throw ball four. Um, it's, it's too easy to say nobody gives a heck what the horizontal break on the slider was that you spiked at 57 feet. So, so you have, you have that and it's good. Okay. The problem I see, first of all, those people that run those places, okay. They are pioneers. They've made me a better coach. No question. They made me see things in ways that I look, I, I, in some ways I always knew, but now you can measure it. Now you can video it. Now you can show them because 95% of the world is visual learners, right? They see it. They do this and that. Okay. So you have that. The problem is, is the focus isn't on what you need to do to pitch good in games. Now, what does that mean? Throw strikes. Okay. Um, hold runners. Field your position. Compete. Like, compete. Okay. Um, even though we've had all these great arms, over this long 37 years I've done this. At the end of the day, the guys who are the best are, if they're left-handed, they're 86 to 88. They can run the ball through a right-hander's hands and get some lizard skin. They can throw a change, and they can throw a 2-0 curveball. Okay? The right-handers are 88 to 92. They can pitch to all four quadrants with their fastball. They throw a curve, they throw or a slider or both, and they throw a change and they throw for a strike. And when you send in a hold pick, they hold, they get that guy to sink in his legs, he shuts down the attempt on steel, he dots a ball. That's who wins. The Paul Skeens of the world are unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Pryor was a unicorn, had it, all of that and stuff. So it none of it matters unless you put all that stuff over the plate. Correct. And because there's such drastic movement, now they got to be tough enough to throw it down the middle and let it do its thing. But that's hard to do. So what they do is they start it where they want it to go and then it boom, it's off the plate. Or they go over here, boom, it's off the plate. Nothing well, I mean, goes I, I wrong on center cut. 8% of the time, it's a base hit on center cut. Now, you look at our numbers, they're not very good. We don't walk people. We're continuing to try to get better at putting balls in better spots. But you got to, if you're going to take a kid and you're going to teach them all this stuff, 
Don't send him back to us with a one-six leg to the plate. Don't send him back to us where he's tipping every pitch. I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to do it all because that was my job and it is my job. And that was Dave's job. I agree. This, I mean, it, there's some depth <laughs> to that last comment, but I'm going to, I'll let coach run with that one, but it's so true. Uh, well, you know. it, it, Lonnie, you couldn't have said it any better. And I think, uh, Walter used that soundbite many, many oh, times yeah. over because I, I, I really hope that those young pitchers out there take word for word what you said, amen to that, because that's where we're missing the boat a little bit. It, it, it is. It's, it's, it's that's where we're missing the boat. And I'll turn it over to the, the offensive side. Let's get out of worrying about the launch angle and let's put the ball in play up the middle of the field with two strikes with a runner on third base. Let's, let's be able to run the bases and know when we're supposed to go and when we're supposed to tag and where we're supposed to touch the, the base when we're rounding the bases. Those are the little things that I think the game missed at the youth levels now. And as a former college coach, when we get them, our job is to coach them up. But how much have they been coached before they get there? And that's where guys fail. And that's why the transfer portal has gotten to be thousands of kids because they're coming in, they're prepared physically, but they're not prepared in the game. And you just said that things you just said about pitching, I don't know if anyone could have put into better terminology. I think anyone that's listening to this and everyone listening to this, take that to heart. He just well, gave you the ingredients to be a good player. Well, here's the other thing too. If Paul Skeens, he's the name, right? Okay. Yeah. If he's getting blasted all over the yard, he's not he's not going one or two. Okay. Because yeah. the world's full of that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um the 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 but he's performing. Not only do you have to have the stuff, you still have to perform. Right? Mark Pryor was eleven and fifteen his first two years of college. And then he went 15 and one. He performed, right? And it was elite, elite kind of uh, stuff. And 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 I I want them to want it all. Have a filthy sinker. Have a filthy sweeper, or or you know whatever it is you we're calling it these days. Um, but you have to throw it for a strike because this model that's being taught to them. And, and, and again, if if I'm offending somebody, I apologize. And if I'm generalizing, I apologize. But that's to beat guys that have one swing. In the major leagues, the vast majority of people have one swing. Do damage every time. So, yeah, pitch to the top, pitch down, you know, pitched college, two swings. They're not – now, there are guys in our lineup, there were guys in Dave's lineup where we said, dude, no, 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 no. No two-strike adjusts. You try to do damage. But the vast majority are going to have a different swing. Yeah. Okay? So we just – and he's going to take that top-of-the-zone fastball. I mean – I mean, we've played – schools we've we've our plan has been against pitchers over the years very recently 
where the plan was to take 0-2 and 1-2. Take. And it almost always works. Because this individual was beating everybody with breaking balls that were balls. So we said, guys, take it. If he accidentally lands one, which 89% of the time he doesn't, no problem. Go down looking. But you're going to take and work them back to 2-2. And in and in three or four instances, you killed them. You know, now in, in, in pro ball, you know, there's a lot of guys that are just going to take that one swing. The good major league teams, um, you know, they're the ones that strike out the less and run the counts and take you down with them. <laughs> but in college, that's the whole lineup. He's trying to take you down with them. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fascinating, you know, some of this information that you're sharing with us here tonight. I, I really believe, uh, you know, Dave refers to it as a soundbite, but it's a, it's a tr it's a teaching moment uh, for a lot of these young athletes that feel like they have to measure uh, with regard to tools or or uh, you know analytics and metrics and so forth at the University of Arizona when with regard to recruiting do analytics and metrics uh matter or is it more eye test and kind of that backs up that information backs up? <laughs> well you know they have those uh uh the the stalker now makes a radar gun with spin rate and a lot of the things you go to now um you know it's provided right and i think for me where it's very helpful is you might have that Lefty that sophomore, junior, he's 83, 85, but he's got some ride on his fastball, you know, and you look at the body, um, just like the guy you and I were talking about, Dave, you text me about to go play for you, right? It's, it's stuff that's inching its way up every year. But the way it grades and the spin on the curve and the and the and the movement on the change and the and and how his fastball can hold the line with his higher arm slot as he continues to grow and get bigger and stronger, you know that'll play up. So yeah, analytics help us. It's very helpful when you're dealing and evaluating um, portal kids where that technology is in their ballparks. Um, um, you know, the, I mean, Dave, you, you probably caught a little bit of it at the tail end at the at last year, but the, but the info we get just on the scouting stuff is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in, in, in terms of the opponent, it's yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Yeah. Good. It's great. I mean, it's not VHS start, stop. Oh, shoot. I, Went too far. I got to go back. And, you know, there's none of that anymore. You don't have to hey, hurt the opponent. The computer in the building yeah. does it. Yeah. Last question for me, Dave. Um, Arizona baseball, you talked about uh, camps, prospect camps and all that. For a young man that's on the East Coast, for a young man that's in the South, someone in the Midwest, how? what is the best way for them to, them or their families, to reach out to Arizona baseball, if they have an interest in your school, yeah, I mean, um, by email, um, 
is, you know, that's the best way. I mean, if they are showing an interest and want to attend a camp, I mean, we're not like camp university, but I mean, we do run some, some camps where we can um, identify uh, kids. We try to stay away from the big mass money grab type things. We try to kind of focus it on the team camp, which we do during Martin Luther King weekend every year. We have over 40 teams um, and, you know, we try to get as many of the best teams that we can. And we try to focus on the, the Arizona high schools and, and the, you know, the Southern California ones that are willing to drive over. Um, you know, that's probably the best way. And then, you know, when you look on our website and all that kind of stuff, we have camp information there. Um, you know, that's, that's basically it. And what I would say to the parents out there, um, you know, if your kid is interested in a school, our school, any school, you got to let those people know and be persistent because I, I can't speak for other programs, but I mean, we look, you know, I mean, we are, we're not just hitting delete, delete, delete. Now, if it's from, if it's one of them mass email deals. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. You okay. Know, so Dave, let me, let me elaborate on that. What, okay. So what is an appoint, what in an email from a, a prospect that you may never, you don't know nothing about what's a key subject that you look for in that email. That's going to really, int- is it a, attached to a coach's name that has some significance? Is it, what do you look for in those yeah. emails? that pops out at you. Yeah. I mean, they should reference somebody that is reputable and could speak well on their behalf. Somebody that we trust or Mm -hmm. would be trusted. Um, You know, if you're a freshman and you're five, six, one forty, don't put that in the email. (laughs) I mean, but that you hit 580 on the freshman team this past year. And this summer, I'm going to be playing for so-and-so. Here are the dates where I'm going to be playing. And, you know, Trip has us pull that info out. And we put it right into this sheets thing that's always with us on our phone. And we're always scrolling through. And we're at something. And we go, hey, this kid wrote us. Yeah. He's playing over here right now. You know, I mean – but but um, if you're a don't put you're a second baseman, put your yeah. middle infielder. Yeah. Right. Don't put you're a left fielder. Or you play all nine positions. <laughs> or or you play all nine <laughs> positions. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying we don't recruit left fielders, but I'm just saying most really good college outfielders probably were center fielders. Yeah, that yeah. went that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, this this is so much great information. Um, you know, everything that you're saying uh, each and every week, Dave and I kind of, you know, we'll tell kids you're not a shortstop, you're an infielder. Like, you know, I mean, it's uh, this is how uh, parents learn. Uh, more importantly, the student athletes learn. Uh, and one of the final things I'd like to end with was, you know, when I was a kid, I was recruited by Coach Kendall and Coach Brock. And, you know, here I am in Massachusetts and I'm looking at Arizona and 
wow, this is awesome. It's January. There's fields everywhere. There's green grass. But what is it about the University of Arizona that makes it special? It makes it unique with regard to, as Dave alluded to, those students from outside of, uh, you know, Southern California and Arizona. Well, uh, you know, the weather for sure. And, and, and we've actually through trips, contacts have done <clears throat> very well in the upper Midwest in areas where the weather isn't the greatest. So that's obviously an autumn, an automatic kind of attraction. I think um, aside from the fact that trip has these great contacts in Illinois, if if you're a person from Illinois and you're a Cubs or a White Sox fan, you think you think Arizona is heaven on earth because, you know, you're bundled up all winter. And now all of a sudden spring training games are on and it's sunny and there's people running around with sunburns and tank tops. Um, but I think also right now, as far as the West Coast is concerned, we're at the very top of the heap in terms of facilities. Um, you know, we, I mean, we have all the stuff in terms of the access to weight room and 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 nice cages, nice field, nice stadium, nice this, nice that. Um, and it's it's a good degree. I mean, not because I said it, because U.S. News and World Report say it. It's a good degree. It's great weather. You're playing for a head coach who's spent, I mean, literally moved to Tucson in 1983 and hasn't left since. You know, by he played here, then he went into pro baseball, and he still maintained his home in Tucson. He's one of the great players um, in the history of the school, and and he's nothing like you think a pro coach would be he's he spent half of those 30 years teaching kids this age how to play baseball and it wasn't until the last 15 or so where the bulk of the time was spent at the major league level in a variety of role manager bench coach third base this that and the other and and so you know that win last night i mean i didn't go to u of a to me, it was a whew, we won the game, right? That's a big deal to him. Huge. It's a big, big deal to him. It's a big, big deal to all his friends in town. And 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 it's a huge, huge deal for our kids to kind of be able to do something like that in front of that crowd. And 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 the other thing about our school, we're it. Now, the Diamondbacks, two hours. The Arizona Cardinals, two hours. The Suns, two hours all north. We're the team here. Pima County, million people. And that's why traditionally we're in the top 15 or 20 for attendance all the time. So it's just, it's just the combination of the staff and their experience and the facilities, great education, great weather. You got a coach who it's really personal to him. It's not, you know, another rung up the, you know, as you as you progress 
through your coaching and all that and move up and do this and do that. And um, I'm glad he asked me to stay on. Well, we, we, sh during the season, I know that you have a lot on your plate. And so uh, it, I'm sincere when I say to you, I'm greatly appreciative. You know, I'll let Dave say his piece there, but really, really appreciate your time uh, during the, the, the playing season. I have a fondness for University of Arizona for several reasons. Uh, I love the school. I love the area. In fact, I've sent a couple boys there uh, before your staff got there and they had a, a fantastic experience. So best of luck the rest of the season and, and here, thank you. Thanks. No, I Lonnie, as, as Walter, I can't say it any better than Walter. It's always been great talking baseball with you. I think you, you, you put some diamonds out there for our listeners, uh, for kids and families to hear and, and thank you for your time and best of luck to the Wildcats the rest of the season. Yeah, you bet. We got our work cut out for us, but we're up for it. Well, anybody that has any questions after watching tonight, whether it's for Coach Lon, Coach Serrano, or myself, make sure you put them down below. Uh, obviously, give us a like and, and hit that subscribe button if you want to see more types of conversations with coaches uh, such as Coach Lon. Until next week, next week we're going to have Division Three head coach J.P. Pine. He's going to join us. We've been asked to talk to some Division Three school so we're going to do that put that on our table and we'll see you next thursday night 9 p.m eastern every thursday night thank you